Vodka. 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 Vodka O'Clock. Hey everyone, it's Amber Love and you are listening to Vodka O'Clock from AmberUnmasked.com. Don't forget that you can sponsor the show on the website at Patreon.com slash AmberUnmasked and that's for as little as a dollar per week. Uh, what you will have today is uh, not someone joining me in an interview. This is my last New York Comic Con panel. It was called In My Day. They didn't have cosplay. And uh, what that is, to not to tell anybody that it's an anti-cosplay panel, um, it is actually a pro-cosplay panel. It was all about the history of costuming, bringing us up to where we are now, and just some of the things to you know that people think about. Um, it's it was a very visual panel, so I hope that just hearing the audio is still okay, especially uh, with the history of cosplay. There was a lot. There were a lot of cool pictures and photos and tears from old magazines and stuff like that that were projected. So I did take some of those pictures of their projector. If you go to the website and check out the show notes, if you're not listening to this directly through a streaming app. Um, so the panelists were. Uh, moderated, first of all, by Charles Battersby, who is probably the best moderator I've ever seen. Um, he keeps people on topic. Nobody was interrupted. The visuals were great. It was like a very well put together panel. And I think Charles's skill at moderating had a lot to do with that. Steve Bunch, who's a former DC and Marvel editor, cosplayers Kat Smith and Alita Pardalis, and photographer Anna Fisher. So, um, as, as I said, you can, you know, please go check the show notes because I will have some extra photos there for you to look at. And as always, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Elizabeth Amber. If you have any questions, you can leave them in the comments. And I appreciate you listening. I appreciate everybody that's been going to Patreon and sponsoring the show because uh, things have been going really well. So share those links. Um, tell your friends that you enjoy the show and the site and um the type of coverage that I've been able to provide to you. So since it's November, I just want to give you a heads up. November is National Novel Writing Month. We abbreviate that as NaNoWriMo. And that means that the guests that I'll have will probably be talking about that. So it's not to exclude anybody um, creatively, but uh, if we get NaNo specific, it's just uh, another process that has to do with writing. It's a lot of people have these how to write your novel in X number of weeks type of plans. So the fact that this is done communally um, where you have a lot of support online just kind of makes it more fun and you feel less alone doing it. So it's not that it's um, not adaptable to other types of writing styles. And some of the people that I have on, you know, will probably talk about how it didn't work for them as, at all and that's a great thing to hear i'm going to be you know trying it again this month so hopefully i can make it and um you know i i literally just finished editing the book from last year so <laughs> it's it was it took me that long to send send the draft out to beta readers and get feedback and get all kinds of um editing advice on it so um it was it did take me a whole year and now i'm ready to start again so i hope that you enjoy those episodes coming up and now uh check out the cosplay panel <laughs> Enough to get that Dana Carvey grumpy old man reference, and you're old like us grumpy old people up here. <laughs> We're 
We're not going to spend the next hour uh, whining about how these kids today don't know how good they got it. We're going to talk about the origins of cosplay dating back to the early 20th century uh, and the different subcultures that have embraced cosplay throughout the 20th century leading right up to the present. And we're going to talk about some of the futuristic technology that we have in the 21st century that wasn't available back when most of us started cosplay. Uh, I'm Charles Battersby. Um, I'm known for my Princess Peach cosplay, my uh, Catwoman cosplay, and I've been doing this for about 20 years. And when I am not cosplaying, I'm a playwright, an actor, and a video game. Shoddy Cast! Woo! Yeah, for those of you who know Shoddy Cast from the Fallout 4 series, I'm one of the people behind that. And uh, let's meet our other panelists. Hi, I'm Steve Rush, former Marvel Wolfhammer, former DC Vertigo editor, also just a self proclaimed media ronin. Long story short, I don't have full cosplay from the movies. What's not to love? Other people spend the time to craft all this stuff and to just bring the energy to it. So, hey, I love it. I'm Cat Smith. My title is Miss Nerd Styles, which I won because I made it up. I don't have to go to somebody else after a week, so there. Um, um, I I thought that I was mostly known for my River Song cosplay, and then I was wearing River to Thing, and people kept asking me if I was usually Cersei Lannister. So, <laughs> go figure. Yeah, no, okay. When I'm Cersei, people ask me if I'm River Song. So it's, it's a thing. Um, they always recognize you for what you're not wearing. Um, when I am not cosplaying, I am probably being ridiculous with the ukulele somewhere, and like the way station
So here's a few shots of a couple of them, and Steve is going to tell us about some of these people and the history of cosplay way back in the early 20th century. All right, okay, so um, first of all, let's stop and think about what cosplay is as far as we know. There's considerable difference between just showing up to a fancy dress ball, figure correctly, whatever. But what I think really separates cosplay from just ordinary you know, costumer or whatever would be its connection to whatever is out there in the popular media. And let's face it, a lot of, I'm looking out there and I see people who are dressed up in outfits from film, television, gaming, even. So it's, it's that pop culture connection. And it goes, that goes as far back as at least the 30s, but in terms of actual photographic evidence, what we have here, the first photo, are any of you familiar with Famous Monsters of Filmland magazine? All right. So you know who Forrest K. Ackerman is? Uncle Forrest. So for those who don't know who Forrest K. Ackerman was, he was the guy who started Famous Monsters of Filmland magazine, which basically was the go-to place for those of us who are monster kids to learn everything about monster culture, sci-fi culture, that kind of stuff. But Forrest was, in my opinion, the original hardcore geek. Badass. This guy was no joke. Loved and respected all of the genres. And that photo is of him from a 1939, I believe it is, convention, early, early convention of science fiction having to do with you know, what were then you know, the pulp magazines, things like that. And here he is dressed up as a futuristic character of not necessarily from anything, but it's just him going with his interest in the genre and therefore coming up with his own thing. I mean, what's not to like about that? Sheer creativity fostered by creativity, which is wonderful to see. And uh, next to that, we have from a bit, well, actually, no, let's go below. That Superman there is Superman from obviously way back in the days. And as you all know, Superman showed up in 1938 and within virtually no time became a pop culture phenomenon. I can't overstate it. But long story short, that's the actor who was, was hired to play Superman at the 1940 World's Fair. So it goes back that far, but even, even though he was a hired participant, let's face it, that is, in my opinion, a piece of cosplay. It's a good costume, first of all, especially for the era. You got your original S-Shield, and what is not to love about the simplicity of this design? Which, okay, let, let me grouse for a moment here. We've all seen Man of Steel, yes? Yes. Um, note that. Yes. <laughs> okay. To those of you who do cosplay and make your own costumes, you can design them. What was the main design flaw in Superman's gear in that movie? Not the X. Nope. Thank you. Right there. Basically, look at the outfit he's got on now. It's all blue except the cape and boots, all right? You need the red panties to break up all of that blue. This is a simple design of the paint. I'm done, I'm done. Excuse me. I've been wooed. So we move a little bit further on into the, the top middle. We have Mick the Merciless and Maleficent, and I believe that shot is from the 1960s or thereabouts. Just below that, we have one from the 1940s, which is the woman in question. She's cosplaying a character who is, as far as I know, not necessarily named, but 
She was one of the cover images from an issue of Planet Stories, which was a science fiction poll back in the days. And of course, she was complete with the expected half-naked women in outer space floating around, you know, no space or anything, but they did have the key. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, okay, this one's gonna be kind of a surprise. Any of you out there uh, big comics fans? Like 60s comics? You know? I don't know what that guy is. You know. Okay. There was a group called the Thunder Agents. The character in question, that's no man. I'm not going to try to explain it, it's a little bit complicated. But the interesting thing about this is that the shot from the 1960s at some convention, the person cosplaying him, that's none other than Marv Wolfman, who would later go on to write the classic Tomb of Dracula for Marvel Comics in the 70s, and then later co-create the new Teen Titans with George Perez. So, geekery begets geekery. Wait, we're just seeing this now? Blah, blah, blah. 
And I, you know, we've all, all, everyone in this room who's wearing a costume has felt that compulsion. That's why you go through the trouble, that's why you do it. So it just becomes, it becomes almost like a need. It becomes an expression uh, to, to express that. Sorry. <laughs> okay, I won't use it anymore. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I'm going to come at this from a different angle because, of course, we could talk about like the greater history of costume dress in human culture and go back to like early Sherlock reenactment societies back in the days of like Arthur Conan Doyle. But I actually think that photo on the top left there. Uh, it's, in, it's taken in New York City at uh, uh, Worldcon 1939, which I personally feel is like the first real convention. There was a meeting previously uh, in 1938 at someone's house, which they declared to be the first convention <laughs> of, uh, of science fiction fans. But that group of people who then put on Worldcon the next year. Um, but I think that was the moment. Um, and once that happened, every Worldcon Things back to the screen, which is 
step one where you would incorporate it. You, the fans just started to think they took it and began to make it an inclusive experience. And that was step one, the, the calling back to the screen. And then step two was somebody showed up dressed up as one of the characters. And everyone went, oh my god. And then more people started to do that. And then the next thing to do, the, the logical progression, was to get up in costume in front of the screen and act it out along with the movie and what we call a shadow cast. Um, and you know, that, that's the basics of what is rock and roll. That's a whole, thing. beyond that is a whole other panel. <laughs> <laughs> and the makers of the movie did not intend for it to be a sing-along with audience participation. They, they were just making a movie that you has to And it became better. <laughs>
steroids <laughs> with considerably less visual appeal. So you have that going. Same thing goes with the, with the, with the communicators. They were too huge. Did anyone out there have any like, Yes, I'm 50 years old, so I'll admit it. Yeah. <laughs> 
as they age, to be sympathetic to the younger generation, to be sympathetic to that 15-year-old who is screaming something and you don't know what it is, and why are they doing that, and they're proud of you, and like it wasn't like this. And so I think that there was a moment there, and I think that moment was Logan's run. In the movie, it's everyone is euthanized at 30, and in the book that it's based on, everyone is euthanized at 21. So it's about people that uh, want to grow up to be middle-aged, fleeing from the society of the young. Because this thing used to happen at conventions, where this thing would come around a corner and they'd scream, run, and everyone, like, would just start running. <laughs> that was their moment. They'd all be like, they'd have these, like, little stupid things on their hands. The fire marshal would still love that. Um, so she was working this other job. So she just like fell in love with comics 
Um, and so she shows up and she had made this outfit. Um, and so she was going to enter this masquerade. Unfortunately, um, there was a little tension. This is, I think, the first time this might have happened in a competition. There was another person in the same costume. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so that was like a tense moment. So tense that uh, Heidi's mother, who is very active in her cosplay career, uh, tried to get Angelique banned from competing because her costume was too scandalous. Um, she used a different S word <laughs> at the time. <laughs> uh, which is interesting because uh, on counterpoint for Angelique's supporters, of which there were instantly many gentlemen ready to jump to her time. I was not eight-year-old and Angelique supporters. There were many gentlemen at this event willing to uh, jump to young Destiny's defense. <laughs> um, pointed out that uh, this woman's daughter was in the same costume and also 15. <laughs> um, so it went back and forth, and she ended up going on stage. Uh, and what they had settled on was that for the low B, hers was considerably lower in the plunge. Um, they were going to cover it with band-aids. Uh, <laughs> underneath the fabric so the B would not be as quite deep into the hip area. <laughs>
I, I, I almost, I wouldn't be here talking to you. Okay, like it, she almost nipped my cosplay, my budding cosplay desires completely in the end. We later became friends. And I was like, dude, you were so nasty. <laughs> oh my God, I'm sorry. So, you know, I absolutely, it, it's horrible and it's awful. And again, it's fandom. We are all nerds in a costume. We are wearing, <laughs> we are wearing our fandom on our bodies and should get over ourselves. <laughs> that said, as far as, you know, Vampirella, what is a gone? So, you know, having somebody dressed up as her, having an actual human, is kind of cool. I'm for those of you who don't are not familiar with American Horror Story Freak Show. I'm dressed up as Just the Lights character. <laughs> and okay. I would not sign photos of Elsa Mars. This is just me. I would not sign because it's played by an actress who exists. I feel like at that time there was sort of a weird back and forth where both of these girls uh, would go on to model for the artist drawing Vampirella. The, the first, um, 15, you said. <laughs> yeah. She's actually standing next to the creator here. She did a full tour with him as Mamparella for several seasons of convention. I don't actually want to see where the creator opens the Mamparella. Sorry, that's when I was making this montage. My wife looked at my computer and said, who's the pedophile? <laughs> Like, that's my favorite. 
all you know who Red Sonia was?
fingernail polish over that for this pretty much the same effect for like maybe four bucks. Uh, nail polish technology has soared in recent years in all honors. And in the, the magnetic nail polish where there's iron bits inside it, it has a metallic sheen. So um, that's the sort of hobby making materials that just a few years ago you, you wouldn't have been able to do that with the products of Marvel. Can you talk more about this? Not something that's really like currently feasible on large 
skill that you have or the budget that you have. It's about the love that you have. So the fact that you bought your 10th doctor dress, I own one of those. I love those things. She bought her 10th doctor dress at Hot Topic or Simple. You know, I don't know. And those are fantastic, and those are adorable, and those don't make you any less of a fan in any way at all than the guy who got a custom tailored suit and made his own coat or whatever. It's, you know, if it is up your alley to build stuff and sew stuff and make stuff, or to get a bunch of lies, yay, yay you. But that's not all that becomes, you know, you're still a cosplayer. You're wearing a costume. You know, it doesn't not count because it was mass produced or because it was similar or because it was whatever.
Um, everyone, let me hear your final thoughts and also let the audience know where they can find you throughout the weekend and what projects you have going on.
Charlesbattersby.com or on Twitter at Charlesbattersby with no Y on the end. I host the uh, GNN podcast on ShoddyCast every Thursday, and I write the ShoddyCast Fallout 4 series, uh, two episodes every Friday. Uh, and I will be walking around tomorrow dressed as Elizabeth from Bioshock if she opened a tear into the Fallout universe. So keep an eye out. Alright, and we have maybe 30 seconds if someone throws their hand in the air and barks. One question, you! Alright, um, you said before about uh, Cotton Clan versus Uncotton Clan, and I've been going to conventions for quite some time, and I noticed that the only time I've really seen, you know, there be tension is when Uncotton Clan sees fans of another um, fan and say, oh, how can you be a fan of that? Like, do you think that has any ability, or do you think that's just my own opinion? Alright, we're just about out of time, so, Oh my god, you like that? You don't like the same things that I do? What the hell? And when you're in a costume, you're wearing that fandom out there for everybody to see. So of course it's gonna be there. It's gonna be more. Alright. In your travel work.